Welcome to Through the Wire. Through the Wire. We still talking about the finals because the Warriors stayed alive. Before we even get to the finals. You going to do the rant because I was going to do a rant I'm going to let you do the rant. Okay. But I want to give a shout out to my pops. Happy birthday to my pops. Taught me everything I know about the game. He called after every episode that dropped saying this and that because he think he belong on a podcast. So happy birthday, pops! <laughs> Sorry, you know your people? birthday got to be overshadowed by this because I'm I am ready to talk about it. But you shout out to pops. You know how many people in my family on both sides say like, "Man, when you gonna put me on the show?" <laughs> That's funny. and, and I, you can't just say never, bro. You just be like, "Oh, next, I got you, bro." You you know yeah. you try to play it off because you don't want to seem like a jerk. But like, no, this is a four person thing. Thanks. We don't even have a fifth mic. Yeah, when people ask me, can they be? Yeah, I'll say that, we don't look have look a fifth. Look at this following right. <laughs> right. Who can we add right now? Who can now? we add right now? <laughs> Who can we add? But yeah, we are gonna have a fifth person. It won't be somebody from the family, dog. It's gonna have to be a hooper, a real hooper. But. The Warriors stayed alive in a very close game. I think it was the best game of the entire final so far. It was mm-hmm. back and forth. We had great games with Stephen Curry. We had Kawhi taking over in the fourth quarter. But all of that, in my eyes, was overshadowed by, of course, Kevin Durant going down with this injury. He started off um, the first game he's played in, in a month, right? He comes out, and he's guns blazing. 11 minutes, 11 points. He's hitting shots. You know, his defense doesn't look bad. He doesn't look slow. He looks right back in the swing of things. Then... In the beginning of the third quarter, he goes down. He's pulling at his Achilles. There's a video that comes out where you can literally see something snap in his leg. Mm-hmm. But after he goes down, we hear cheering, right? We hear cheering from the fans. And initially, I'm thinking, okay, they're cheering because they got a steal and they got a bucket. Right. But then the cheering continues. Because once he had got up, he kind of felt it in mm-hmm. his leg. Yeah. And that's when they went to go get him. And that's when you could hear them really start getting loud. And, and you, you could tell it was definitely just because KD got hurt. You look into the crowd. You see people waving goodbye. And then I was streaming the game because during these NBA finals, I like to watch it with the fans. We had over a thousand people in there. And it, I was expressing my my disgust with the Raptors fans in that moment. And people in my chat saying, Kenny, these are real Raptors fans. These are rich people, yada, yada, yada. But then there was another video that came out. With the fans in Jurassic Park, and they did the same thing. They cheered when Kevin Durant went down. They waved goodbye. Now, I understand you want to see your team win basketball games. They're one game away from being NBA champions, but under no circumstance, under any circumstance, should be cheering for another person's downfall, especially with an injury, right? There was a video that came out with Jimmy Kimmel where they were interviewing fans on the street and the Raptors fans just seemed so wholesome, right? They were like, oh, we don't trash talk. Oh, if, if the Warriors lose, we're going to hug them and say better luck next time. The whole narrative around the Toronto Raptors fans were that they're wholesome. They care about nothing but basketball. But at the end of the day, they're a very nice fan group. And yesterday, that whole narrative went out of the window when Kevin Durant went down an injury. It's disgusting. And I hope we never see anything like that again. Eventually, they did give him a standing ovation and clap, but that was after Cal Lowry and after Pascal Siakam told the fans to chill the hell out because under no circumstance, even the opposing players who's playing against Kevin Durant, they know that Kevin Durant could be the, the reason this Warriors team get back in the series. They still don't want to see him go down with an injury under in, any circumstance. So... I personally lost a lot of respect for what I seen to be what I saw to be one of the best fan bases in the league, personally. I lost a lot of respect for the fans on Twitter and whatnot. Um because you gotta understand, first of all, it is annoying as hell when people like us make a statement about something like that and all of the people come out and be like, You can't say you can't judge the whole fan base off First of all, you cannot judge a whole fan base off anything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nobody is saying the entire fan base was cheering or the entire fan base is terrible. But it, it we can't. I can't say the fifty-seven fans. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Um, number two, it's also y'all didn't have that energy when y'all had the narrative that all y'all were good when they interviewed those five people on the street and everybody was looking at y'all entire fan base based off those five people. Y'all wasn't saying you can't judge the fan base off just those five people. So it's like, it's contradictory. Then third, then third, it's okay to be a fan and then to just admit, man, our fan our fan base is wrong for that. 
Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Instead of coming up with the excuses and being delusional about the fact, because a lot of people did try to come up and make excuses like, no, nah, they were cheering for the steal. Or no, nah, they was actually giving them a standing ovation. I've seen a lot of Raptor fans on Twitter using those things to justify what was going on instead of just admitting about the situation, saying y'all was wrong, and then ultimately moving on. We still got games to play. It's not the end of the world. That was a bad situation, a bad look. Everybody make mistakes. Hopefully it's something y'all can learn from. Uh as an entire fan base, um, especially after seeing, you know, your own players on the court telling y'all to calm down, Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry literally signaling to tell y'all to chill. Um, even the reaction of y'all ambassador Drake uh, and his reaction. So hopefully y'all can just learn from it. But all the excuses and and, and all of the, the, the stuff that y'all was saying, I, that that really is, is just nonsense. It's just accept the fact of what it is and just move on. But it was a, a bad scene and something that hopefully we ain't never got to see again because I, I don't know. I, I, I've never in my life cheered about an injury, whether mm. I was playing, whether it was my team, not my team. My team is in the jam lottery. I have no, you know, say so in this series at all. And I still don't want anybody to get hurt because I'm trying to see the best basketball I can see. So I don't want to see Kevin Durant. I don't want to see Looney get hurt. Don't want to see Lowry get hurt. I, I'm here for the best basketball games we can get. Yeah. So. And I personally never seen a fan base cheer for an injury. Usually they all go quiet, and then once they get up and yeah. they walk away, they give them a round of applause. Yeah. it's uh, It was just weird. It was just weird. And Pierre said it perfectly. Like, I know that those fans in the arena and, and everybody, everybody was not cheering for Kevin Durant's injury. But there were people that were, and it was pretty loud. Same thing with the Jurassic Park thing. There were people that were cheering, and it was pretty loud. And... Unfortunately, the way it works is that those people speak out for the entire fan base at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and as a fan, if if this was the Bulls in a situation and I'm at the arena and somebody does this next to me, I'm telling them to chill the fuck out, too. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. Kevin Durant is out. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about Kevin Durant and what this injury means for him specifically and for the rest of this series. But I want to gear back to the original game. Right. So Kevin Durant plays. He starts off incredible. He goes down with an injury. And then the other thing I was doing during my stream is looking at the odds, right? The Vegas odds. So if I put X amount of money on this team, who, how much money can I win? And the odds uh, changed so fast after Kevin Durant's injury. Even though they were still up by 11, the Raptors were the favorite to win that game because without Kevin Durant, they had been terrible this yeah. entire series. But luckily, they got a spark plug in one specific player. Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins came out, and after not playing for the entire first quarter, just sitting at the edge of the bench, he got his number called, and he stepped up big time. Mm-hmm. Basically had the best game since game two for him because in the other games, he was pretty much trash. And even though at the end of the game, he almost sold, he kept them into that game. Seven over on by itself. Um, but I do want to give a lot of praise to, of course, Stephen Curry. Because he also stepped up. He had like 23 points in the first half and then also closed out the game as well with um, knocking down some big shots along with Klay Thompson. This game was just incredible, y'all. It was. The, like the energy that Steph and Klay played with, that's the type of energy I expect from a superstar with the game on the line. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of expected from James Harden and Chris Paul right. when their series was on the line and they had the opportunity true, to kind of take true, over yeah. true, true, the door. True, true, that's true. what I'm looking for. Same, even with the honest. I know he was down in... At the end, somebody's got to lose the game, but it's the energy you put in and realize that I might be going home after this game. Backs against the wall, they stepped up. Yeah, um, the boogie thing was was first of all very good to see, um, especially because he's in a situation kind of similar to Kevin Durant, where they both coming back uh, quickly from those injuries that they mm-hmm. had, and they you know just risking a lot. You know, Boogie is a dude who's his situation is very different from Kevin Durant. He's in a situation that Kevin Durant. Um, could be headed into if but he's not because he's Kevin Durant right but Boogie took a five million dollar deal mm-hmm. to come over there and play because he was hurt then he came back um and fortunately got hurt again and then came back from that injury I don't know a lot of guys who would take a five million dollar pay when they're an all-star mm-hmm. come back from the injury try to play because he came back soon you know it was kind of like he might not even play the whole year but then he came and tried to play in the playoffs anyway, then got re-injured. Then once that re-injury came, I thought it was like, okay, we done. He's just going to sit on the bench until free agency, try to make sure he's 1,000% healthy um, and don't want to risk any more uh, chances of losing his money. But no, nah, he came back, really trying to earn his ring. Um, 
And, you know, he had that good game in game two. And then, you know, he had some, some games where he struggled after that in, in Oracle. And then uh, for him to come out and get his number called, and it looked like he was going to have a DNP possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was going that way for and sure. And he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, pout or, or get emotional, as people would like to say Boogie is, is a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of used that, I guess, as a fuel. And he came in and answered for them in a time where they really did need it. That was a, that was a big, big moment because – you know, it's hard to focus when Kevin Durant had that injury for the Warriors players because mm-hmm. I'm 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 sure they kind of felt responsible for it. Like right. that, that's why, you know, Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala following him all the way back into the locker room is real significant because you don't see that a lot. You see yeah. the end of the bench guys carrying a guy because they're not going to play. You know, it really should be Jonas Jarepko and Jordan Bale carrying him back because. Mm-hmm. They're not really playing anyway, and that's usually how it goes. But for them to go, Steph Curry and Iguodala, two significant players, to go all the way back, all the way to the locker room, carry and walk them all the way back there, it's significant. It shows the amount of guilt they feel. It's like we let this get to a situation where you felt you had to play. You had to risk it. You know, right. if we were 2-2, you probably wouldn't be playing right now because you wouldn't feel like you had to do it or it, we were in this desperate time. Uh, so that was a real, real significant image uh, from that situation. But yeah, I was proud of Boogie. That was mm-hmm. that's a great way to answer that they really needed it. Yeah. And um I'm gonna continue to say it. Whether the, you know, um I don't know where this is gonna go. Toronto is a very good team and they, you know, still fall hard. Even when Kevin Durant came out three for three, they were still in the game. Um but if the Warriors do win this championship, this is probably gonna be their most significant one. Yeah. This and, is going to be the one that is quote unquote earned. Yeah. And with all this I mean, well, how great this Warriors team, and we think about, you know, the success they had. One thing we also just got to remember is the camaraderie they had. Pierre mentioned a couple episodes ago, but this was literally a, this team, you could label it as a sacrifice team. So many people have to give up individual statistics for just team success, and that's what makes them such a great team. I mean, yeah, yeah. What I liked about Boogie from this game was that he kept his composure. He didn't try to do too much. Like in the other two games, I felt like he when he get the ball at the top, he was trying to really attack and get downhill when that's really not his game no more because I feel like his athleticism has declined, so he can't really get by defenders. So he kept down the turnovers, which really helped, and he was getting his offense more so in the float offense instead of trying to force it and create it himself. Yeah, I agree. I think that was very uh, key and evident for him because his he he went on that 7 on run yep. in the first four points. Were layups. So, yeah, so, you know. Start out, get your get your buckets um, off the little spoon fed layups and close to the basket, and then he hit the three. And now, right there, that right there opens up the game for like everybody because it's like now Marcus Saul or whoever is going to be guarding him. Now That's it's like problem. yeah, now they have to come out because you're just right. playing in the flow and you're not automatically just chucking up threes or trying to take anybody off the dribble. Um, now it's just like, damn, he's in the floor of the offense. He's not interrupting Steph or Clay's rhythm. And I think that, like you said, it's, it's much more effective with the Warriors, um, him getting his buckets in the floor of the offense. On the other side of the ball, this is a tough game to lose for the Raptors, considering everybody played well. I mean, it took Kawhi three quarters to Shout get it out going. To Iggy for that. Iggy was doing a great job on him. Yeah. It took him three quarters to get yeah. going, but Cal Lowry hit a good game. Marcus Saul hit a good game. Pascal Siakam had a good game. Everybody on their team was having a good game. It just felt like one, the perfect game to close it out. Yeah. But they didn't. They fell just short. They fell just short. And I think that a lot of that had to do with one particular moment that I still don't understand. The timeout? As a fan. The timeout. I call a timeout in that situation, too. Why? Please explain to me. because From I, a coach's perspective, I could. That, first of all, look at it. They were up three or four, right? So, let's, get, let's give a backstory first. Okay. So we're in the fourth quarter. Kawhi Leonard. Six. Kawhi Leonard had just came out and scored 10 straight points. 12-2 uh, Yes, 12-2 run the entire fourth quarter. And the Warriors had just missed a shot. Kawhi Leonard has the ball, and then there's a timeout call from Nick Nurse. Yeah, up six with three or five, and he called a timeout. And personally, I didn't understand why that was, but okay, you tell me as a coach why you call that timeout. Just from a coaching perspective, that's a very intense part of the game. You're about, what, three minutes away from winning the championship if you could pull it off. I think calling a timeout in that situation, it it could be a 50-50 call. They could give a run-up, but on the other side, that's a time where you can run a play, make sure you get a guaranteed bucket for your team. But guess what they did. I mean, that's why I say it's a a Kawhi Leonard airball It's a 50-50 shot at it. But I don't think that's – there's a lot of mistakes down the line that could have ruined that game. Mm -hmm. I think that. That, that that time was just like a 50-50 call. I think that that's one you let your boys play. Mm-hmm. I honestly do. When, when Kawhi Leonard is, he is fuming at that moment. 
You know, he's hit every single shot. Right. And then guess what? After the timeout, he comes out, he misses his next three, one of them being an air ball. I just think it's a I think it's a bonehead timeout from Mm -hmm. from a fan's perspective. Again, I've never coached a game of basketball, so maybe a coach out there would tell you that that's a good timeout. But from a fan's perspective, when your team has all the momentum, the fans are in it. Kawhi Leonard has scored 10 straight points for you after starting off the game terribly. I think you can't call timeout. You let him play and you give that ball to him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, he said. I think he was a little tired. I think that's what Nick said. He wanted to get that energy push. And I, actually, I do have the exact quote of what he said. Exactly um, he said he was trying to give him. Yeah, he yeah. was trying to give him rest to finish the fourth quarter. Give but, extra energy push. Yep. But to be honest, I felt like down the stretch. Why did they run their offense through Cal Lowry and Marcus All? They didn't, like, give him the ball. Like, after he went on that 2 run, it felt like they were really focusing on Kyle Lowry attacking Boogie on a pick and roll. Okay. As I also mentioned, Pascal Siakam was not in the game either. Yeah, he also it was Norman Powell that was in the game. But I, I'm okay with that considering the team was playing pretty well without him on the court. And Norman Powell had a Storm and Norman type dunk too. I I, I agree <laughs> that with dunk was hilarious in that aspect. Um, I can see why he did call the timeout. I can't say it's a boneheaded. Um, you got a you have a six point lead with three minutes and five seconds left. Um, that's a lot of comfort to be honest. I know it's against the Warriors. Nothing is really comfortable, but up six, three oh five at home. Kawhi's rolling. You see him. He said he he wanted to give them a break because they were tired. Mm-hmm. So I think if you do call it, I think we only talking about it because they lost. Right. You come out of that timeout and they drop a play and you get a bucket and you now have an eight point lead with three oh five. It's it's a different situation. Now it's like okay, good timeout. They were able to get re-energized. They came out, executed, got out of the bucket, and now we have an eight point lead with damn near three minutes to go. We just played some good defense and, and we got this thing locked up. But from another aspect, <clears throat> when you do call that timeout, you're giving the Warriors as deadly, as I just said, you know, up six with three oh five is comfort against anybody else. But when you give the Warriors that you also giving them the chance to rest. You're also giving Steve Kerr the chance to drop something. Um, and that right there puts a lot of pressure on you you and your guys to execute. And they didn't execute. <laughs> so out of the timeout, they didn't score. Kawhi did miss his three next shots. The Warriors came down and made their next three shots. And now that's the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the con to it. It could have been a pro and a con, but, you know, um, part of it is his decision to call it, but then mm-hmm. after he calls that timeout, the players have to come out and execute. And the fact, uh, the matter of the fact is, even though they didn't execute, they also came up and gave up three threes in mm-hmm. a row, and they went on a nine-two run to close out the game. Stephen Clay. So I think it's a mix of both. I agree with both of it, both of y'all. I see why he called a timeout. If he didn't call a timeout, I think nothing would have been wrong with that either. Um, but. I know somebody has to take a blame, and I guess that's what it really is. I guess that's but, what it is at this mm, point. You know, um, I think I think that the timeout would have been better if 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 I was Nick Nurse. To be honest, with that last play, I'm okay with them not even calling timeout as they're bringing the ball up. But I mean, it was still eight seconds on the clock, and that's when he was just standing at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. As he started going to make his move, he still had four seconds left. Yeah. Before Andre Iguodala went to go double him, that's the time I called timeout. That's hard to say though. Because I know you're in a Florida game. You that, call it regardless, though, I would have called we timeout. We also saw him last or two series ago take a double team to the corner and that's hit the game saying, winner too. That's when he had three seconds. That's why I said in four seconds, it's hard to just double team somebody off the inbound, especially if he can get into his spot right away. He can get that shot off when two but seconds. You whatever. It's hard, but what you're also doing is you're letting the Warriors set up, set up a game plan for mm-hmm. it. When you're in the flow, they just they just randomly throwing Andre Iguodala out there, right. and they saying. We're going to live with Kyle Lowry. That's what I said. I want my best player to take that test. shot. I, I give him another chance with that timeout. And that's the difference between, you know, him and Kobe. I mm-hmm. know a lot of comparisons to Kobe, 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 but Kobe would have shot that shit. Yeah, he would have. No, no doubt. Shot it. You, we live or die with me. And I, I'm not one of those people criticizing him for it at all because I also um, applaud the right basketball player. That's what I was about to say. I all, I, you know, I, I love LeBron. As you know, as much as I love, I don't want to say as much as I love Kobe. Sheesh, Kobe, my boy. But I love making it right. I have, I can, I'm never going to be the guy up here that's like, why did he pass it to the open guy? You got, if you the guy, you got to take the shot. I have no, because if, if Kyle Lowry makes that shot, we like, hey, good basketball play. Yeah, that's the best basketball play. It just so happened that Draymond Green played amazing defense and closed out and got some fingertips on it. Um, but Draymond that is, Green also can't get another tech. Hey, oh, that yeah, that's a great point to pull up. So which, we're, is, which is ridiculous to me because why the hell would you ever put yourself in that type of situation? Again, that's, again, uh, again. again. You did yeah, it a few years ago. 2016. That was the reason. It. Yep. I don't understand it. Because arguing a call 
it did ref it never made the ref change the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never right. seen a player argue and a ref be like, like you know yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So I just don't understand it. And and like y'all mentioned, he has the experience of going through this. Yeah. So why put yourself in that position? Cost you the series. Well, y'all don't. Y'all already don't have Durant. You know what I mean? All y'all other guys are kind of banged up. Clay, Iggy, Looney. So it's like Boogie. Why put yourself in this position where you could risk? This because now it could be anything. You yeah, know, it, it might not even. Be. It can be a stare. It's literally yeah. up to the refs at this point. <laughs> you he can't show no emotion. No right? emotion, and, and we know he's an emotional guy. But he had been playing so well without using his emotion. The yeah. entire last series, he was just playing basketball. He came out on the podium and said that I started to just focus on basketball. I don't care about the calls. And then we get to the finals. Their team is down, and then the switch changes. He's back to the old Draymond Green. Right. Let's say we go into Game Six. Something happens early, right? He reacts to it as Draymond Green will. If the ref just wants to tee him up, they win that game. And in game seven, he can't play. He can literally dunk on somebody and be like, yeah. And the ref could be out. Yep. There was a tee that he got a few day, a few games ago where he legit could have just avoided it completely. I think 90% <laughs> of his texts are like that. Yeah. I don't. I just really don't understand the, the benefit of arguing a call, especially at this stage. Because they were giving him warnings. They had, I think it was like what, three times he ran up in the ref's face. I think it's called working the ref. You working for the calls? But at, honestly, somebody else got to work him at yeah. this point. <laughs> <laughs> you got to leave it to Steve Let's step, let's step yeah, over there. Yeah, tap let's Steph Curry and say, can you talk to him for right. me? Or something. <laughs> What ref not gonna listen to Steph Curry? <laughs> Steph Curry is the most wholesome man I I, I ever seen. Um, something else happened. I want to get y'all opinion on. Okay, <clears throat> was after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Myers went to the podium to announce Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's injury, and he had you know the crocodile tears was like and doing all of that, but there wasn't really. I, I thought I, I saw that as pure know? emotion. So, yeah, I thought it was just like I thought it was genuine. It felt genuine to me. It didn't. I felt like if, like he, he, he clearly came out and said that you could put the blame on him, yeah. but you could definitely tell that's because, how he was feeling. Yeah. And until we, until it kind of comes out the story of that, if the Warriors pressured Durant into playing that game, then they could be put the blame on them. But if Durant wanted to come out and wanted to play because he thought a championship was on the line and his brothers needed him, I, it's no problem with him going. I feel out like there. it was a Kevin Durant decision. I feel like he really felt like he needed to play, and that he felt like. He was a big part of the team, and he needed to be out mm-hmm. there for his boys on the game five. Yeah, at the end of the day, they are. It is a brotherhood. It is a brotherhood, and I know there's still things talking about where will Kevin Durant play next season. But he's he's come out and said like he's focused on this season. He he wants to win another championship here. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did pressure him to play. But at the end of the day, it was still Kevin Durant's decision. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the media may have played a part in this because people were like there were so many reports like. The Warriors are confused and becoming frustrated with Kevin Durant not playing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And if you're reading that and you're like, oh, okay, my boys really need me, then I'm going to come out and play, even if he's not 100% healthy. Now, we saw during warm-ups, he looked great. We right. saw him do his damn foot dance before the game. Even <laughs> even a couple good. games before, I, it was like maybe game two or game three, they said he was going to go practice, but then he just didn't. It didn't work out for him. Right. So there was always expectation that he could play. And I think, like you said, the media was taking that as, does he really want to go out there? And he wants to keep up that. Does, that, he, does he care? Yeah. yeah. Does, do the Warriors really need He wanted to keep up that. The Warriors do need him mm-hmm. to win that championship. And I think that's kind of what did put him out there to play, or at least that mindset. If mentally he wasn't ready. Because with, with those type of non-contact injuries, it's hard to just come back from it's that. scary, yeah. It's not like you broke a bone and they said, oh, it's perfectly filled now. It's You can't tell if it's going to like it's gonna pop like that. It's mental. A lot of it is mental. And I think that let's, let's say that the Warriors do come back and win this series. Mm-hmm. It was for Kevin Durant at the end of the day. All right. No doubt. And at the end of the day, you can't listen to the media because at the end, they're going to put out stories that are false all the time. That's why I'm not trying to hear that it could be for the media. Yeah, because... The teammates wouldn't be frustrated with. Obviously, he was limping mm-hmm. like a week ago, so he's clearly not a one hundred percent. They could see that he's visibly not able to walk. Why would they even like be frustrated with him not being able to play or practice? Like I don't believe that. At but all. at the same time, the reason I say I wouldn't buy it is because that's that's not an excuse to me because y'all are in the same locker room. Oh. So Kevin Durant ain't making no decision off yep. of what the media is saying when he in the locker room with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He's not looking at his phone like, oh, they confused us. I'm not playing because we got the report right here. <laughs> Kevin Durant injury absence causing confusion and angst amongst Warriors teammates. Kevin Durant ain't read that and say, damn, I need to play. Mm-hmm. If Kevin Durant played and felt pressure, it's because he was in the locker room with them, communicating with them, not because he read a CBS sports uh, article about what his teammates was feeling. Um, and, and again, 
I I don't I'm not here to judge or I can't even judge the character or what Bob Myers is feeling. I don't you know, I can only go for what I see. Um, But there is a certain feel of guilt. And I don't know where the guilt came from, because like earlier I said, maybe it it could come from, damn, Mm -hmm. we're in the three one position that made you feel like you needed to come back and play. Or the guilt could be, damn, we really did make you feel like we we were confused. And in this report is true. Yeah. And damn, we we did make him feel like he needed to play, and he did come out and play. You know, you had Looney. Because even if you're not directly saying, we need you to play, mm-hmm. but the fact of Looney coming back and playing after he was ruled out for the series, mm-hmm. Boogie came back, all of these different things, he's going to feel like he needed to come back. One, Even if it's indirectly, subliminally is going to be like, damn. I'm the only everybody, one that Yeah, I'm the only back. one that didn't come back. And I'm our guy. And so it's like, you know, and then at the end of the day, on top of all of that, he was clear to play. And Steve Curry had a quote where he said the doctor told him, you know, Kevin Durant could get no more injured. So, I mean, Steve Curry told, uh, said the doctors told him that Kevin Durant couldn't get any more hurt. <laughs> well, that was fucking false. <laughs> so, he said mean, the same thing about Kevin Looney. Yeah, they said he, he, he just re injured his chest. It's mind blowing to me because I was one of those people. We was coming on here every episode, and they kept announcing, even back to the last series with the Trailblazers, Kevin Durant ruled out for game three. I'm, and I was on here like, duh. I, <laughs> I didn't think there was no way he was going to play. I just thought it was more serious than what it was. So when he did out of nowhere go from, you know, in no game this series was he questionable. It wasn't like game time decision. He was ruled out for all of these games. Mm-hmm. So for him to magically pop up and be ready to play was mind-blowing to me. And I thought it was bullshit. I thought when he came out and hit those three threes, I was thinking, literally watching it in the barbershop, like, was he ever really hurt? <laughs> Did they just was, paint the narrative? Because, like, the warm-ups, he was fluid. You know, usually mm-hmm. with somebody, I've been hurt before. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I know what it's to favor another leg. Right. Because I had an ankle injury. And I know what it's like to kind of have a limp or, you know, but he was. He just looked cool. And I know adrenaline mm-hmm. is real. But yeah, I'm talking about in warm-ups. And then he was dancing. So it's like, yeah. you know, it just looked very weird. <laughs> I, a lot of the, the, the optics of all of that looked very weird and was confusing me. Mm-hmm. And then when he did re-injured, I was like, oh, damn. That's what makes it so tough with those non-contact injuries because there's no simulation like a real game. Mm-hmm. And so to put – and the move he made was a simple move. Yeah. And that's what kind of brought him to that downfall, and it's just hard to – I don't know. It's just hard to fathom that's what's going to happen. He yeah. also it's, had played a lot of minutes. He had, played, like, he had yeah. played 11 out of the 13 possible I'm, And years. I know that wasn't the plan, but when he come out three for three, I'm yeah, putting him out. Yeah, it's, and it's an elimination yeah. game for you. Making I'm putting him out there, too. Moves, like, nothing about any move he made was like, damn, that was slower than usual. Mm-hmm. He was doing everything. Um, and I had a not a similar injury, but I had a torn tendon. And I remember I went to three or four doctors because none of them could give me an exact return date. And one of the doctors had finally said... Um, you would have been better off breaking it because you could have had the surgery, put the cast on, and then we can know, boom, 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 boom. But when you have something strained, torn, mm-hmm. it has to heal back itself. And, and since everybody's body's different, Derek could, you know, have a, a strained calf and it could take him three weeks. Kenny could do it and he could just sit out for six days. I could do it. It could be out for eight weeks. Mike could do it. It could be out for a month. So because everybody's body is different, you know, it's just I, I don't know. So for him to just not be playing for five weeks and magically wake up and then they were talking about he was supposed to play on a Thursday practice and Steve Kerr was like, oh no, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it was it's just a, it's a lot going on. Um, I wish we were in that locker sure. room. I wish I knew what was real and what wasn't. You know? Yeah. Hey, it'll all come out eventually. One, one way or another, we know something made him feel like he needed to play. Yeah. And he did, and he was cleared to play. So. You know, I, I get what Bob Myers is saying, but the blame is going to go to, to to the Warriors. Not even just nobody's going to say Bob Myers personally, but it's going to go to the Blazers. I mean, the Warriors for sure. But it was pretty evident that he wanted to play. Like you could tell that he. I mean, his he was emotions gonna, and I, I don't everything think he, was out. I don't think he was. I didn't expect him. Anybody that's going to come back and play, they're not going to not do nothing. All the cameras yeah. on him. He can't mope around. I, you know, so I don't. It's nothing to act like you want to be there because what else you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So that that don't you know I, I can't look at it from that perspective. But and then another thing I want to address is this: <clears throat> the New York Knicks. How do we get here? I'm listening. Number one, this is how we got here. Okay. We got here because number one, it's all been speculated that Durant was going there anyway or wanted to go, whatever. Bullshit or not, believe whatever you want to believe. We don't know, but that was just what was going on. But I woke up this morning. 
And, I, and the Knicks weren't on my mind this morning. Kevin Durant was on my mind. What? The first thing I think about when I wake up is my Bulls. You're the not Nick, a real the, fan. The, 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 <laughs> Kevin Durant was on my mind. I'm a basketball fan. <laughs> um, so all the news or the TV is the is uh, get up or the morning, whatever the show is. And all they talking about is Kevin Durant. So I'm like, okay. I put out a tweet before I went to bed, a picture of Kevin Durant. So everything is Kevin Durant. So I type in Kevin Durant and search it on Twitter because it's trending. And the first thing I see is somebody talking about the Knicks. <laughs> it was a gift for the little boy where his mom was like, go ahead, do the dance. He's like, Ugh. Oh, right, right, right. right. right, right, right. It's like, it, the caption was like, the Knicks fans when they're cheering for R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox instead of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I was going to go in on that person because they're part of an association. And I was I was gonna go in and be like it's it's a damn shame how the Knicks are so dysfunctional. We the worst team in the league. We the lab and stock according to everybody. But even in something like this, we still the main topic somehow, some way. But the thing that I want to address is this: everybody talked shit and said we was delusional and getting too excited to get Kevin Durant. We wasn't gonna get him. We was gonna get our heart broken. Kevin Durant could. Take a play, his, accept his option, get his $30 million and recover on the Warriors' time and just say, I'm going to take the next year off. Or he could be like, I'm going to get my bag regardless and enter free agency and just, just sign whoever. If the Knicks sign Kevin Durant with his injury and we get him back and he's a shell of himself, I don't want to hear no slander. Oh, you will. I don't want to hear no Cause, slander. Because then y'all do that. Uh, well, never mind. I don't, don't want to hear say no that. slander. I don't want to hear that because people are going to be like, damn, they, they so dumb. They signed him after the injury. Now he's making forty million a year. All thirty teams will sign yeah. Kevin Durant. Thank yeah. you. So I don't want to hear no slander if we get him because it's a lose lose situation. If we don't get him, everybody going ah ha y'all got to hope side. Then if we get him, and the injury is really career threatening, which we hoping is not. Of course, no matter where he goes, the narrative is going to be. They so dumb. They always do dumb shit. They sign him after an Achilles injury and you, got him a shell of himself. Do you think there are any GMs that would think that way? Because the Achilles injury is something that has right. derailed people's career, right? Yeah. Um, so if you think there are certain GMs that were thinking about Kevin Durant, thinking that, man, we can't even – I don't feel comfortable with offering him anything <clears throat> now that he's maybe towards Achilles. We don't have mm. anything confirmed just yet. He's going for an MRI as we're recording this video, so it may, it's definitely going to be out by the time the video's out. Mm. But nonetheless, right now, they are, they're afraid it might be an Achilles tear, but we're not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But they they feel pretty confident that it might. Mm-hmm. So if you're the GM of what – okay, the Clippers are another team that have all this money. Mm-hmm. Are you – would you – change your whole mindset and try to go after somebody else with this max contract? Do you think they're thinking that way? I think in the long run, I think KD is still like the best player available. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to go, it's, it's KD. So he's one of the best players in the world. Can literally change the franchise just by going there. Yeah. It's, do you have the, the, the sacrifice to just take that, that maybe that year off? Because like you said, he could come back and he's only a shell of himself. Uh-huh. But it's, are you willing to take that risk on him? Yeah, it's a risk versus reward type thing. You know, I think what's going to happen is it's going to be what other people do. So if, if everybody is just acting like it's just normally Kevin Durant, and he's getting max offers, then the Clippers are going to offer him a max. Yeah, no Every problem. team is would love to just do a one-year deal or something short-term or something like that. But because it's Kevin Durant, if he does go into free agency, he's not going to be going out there for a short-term deal. He's going to be telling the team, I need my max. I'll come back in a year, and I'm going to be Kevin Durant. And their team's going to have to take that risk, and you're either going to do it and be rewarded for it, or it is what it is. I think he's going to take his player option. I think he probably will, too. If this if his Achilles is torn, I feel like he's gonna do exactly what you said. He's gonna yeah. rehab while he's under contract with the Warriors. He's gonna take mm-hmm. his thirty mil, and then free agency will still be there next year. And I'm sure teams will still be willing to get the him only the max. thing about yeah, that. That's that's to me, the though, question though is it's, that he's gonna be in the same situation because if it is a torn, he's not gonna play any next year. He could play this much if because there'll be a playoff team, but yeah. then he he basically be right back in boogie situation that boogie went through this year. So how much it won't be anything that can convince anybody. So it's like he he'll be right back in free agency with a whole mm. bunch of questions. But how much more does what does Kevin Durant have to do to pr- prove to you that he needs to be on your roster? That he's, he's healthy. He's yeah, top, that, he, he's that, healthy that he's still him. That he's still KD. It's not that it's Kevin Durant. It's an Achilles injury. Mm. I know it's Kevin Durant, but it's an Achilles injury. Couldn't you take that from the small sample size of him, watching him in the like late in the season and in the playoffs? He didn't have an Achilles injury. No. What? What do you mean? 
I'm he's saying next no, no, no. Year. I'm talking about next year. Right. You would be. You're gonna take that like small sample size. So I'm saying you would be in the same situation. It's an Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just being realistic. Mm-hmm. If you if you're willing to, I don't know. Maybe the eleven games he played next year will convince him. But I just mm-hmm. think he'll be kind of in the same situation. Yeah, you have seen him play somewhat. But I don't think even then he'd have a whole year off. He had to get in shape and mm-hmm. get reintegrated. Then if he come back and it's all a mess, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I don't think it'd be that much of a difference. If you were in his shoes, do you? I mean, obviously, as a player option, he could stay with the Warriors and do that on their time. But would you rather find a new team that you know you're going to be in for the long run and just get introduced to that whole franchise? That's that's what I would be looking to do. I would be I, if I was him, I would go into free agency. And even if I was going to go back with the Warriors, I would just get my bag though. <laughs> Because the Warriors, with the Warriors gonna tell him no, especially if they, especially if we find out that they were part of the reason that made him feel like he wanted to play, and they, and and the Warriors are a team that can't afford to do it because they still have Steph, Clay, Dre. Right. So you could, they could bring him back. The teams like the Knicks, who don't have shit, would be the ones that would to take the ultimate L because we were supposed to build around him. If Kevin Durant is a shove himself, he would go right back to Golden State to be good because he could just be a catch, you know, catch and shoot guy with them. He wouldn't have to assert so much energy into carrying a whole franchise mm-hmm. through the playoffs or through the regular season. He would still be with Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green, and potentially Boogie would probably come back. I'm, I'm almost sure Boogie might come back unless some team comes out of nowhere like the Mavericks, the Lakers, and be desperate. Like here, we'll give you a three year. I already know. I already know. I already know Boogie finna end up on the Lakers. Bro. It's gonna be Boogie. LeBron and, and Chris Bell. Paul. Chris Paul? And Chris Paul. I, I might have to retire and become a Chris Paul on our team. <laughs> Why, dang, that's disrespectful. Yeah, I might have to get disrespectful. That's so a big kind. I definitely take lines over Chris Paul. There have been <laughs> there have been speculations, <laughs> right? That right. Kevin Durant's injury from the beginning was an Achilles injury, yep. but they just didn't want to say it, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's an article right here published by Basketball Forever. Shout out to them by Nick uh Gungfer. And he puts out signs that you can believe that it might have been an Achilles strain, and now it's an Achilles tear, right? So Kevin Durant grabbed his Achilles. The first time he was injured, he grabbed his Achilles. He looked back, he thought somebody kicked him, right? That was immediately, I thought that was an Achilles tear because it looked very similar to what happened to Kobe, right? Um, But he grabbed his Achilles. And then it happened out of nowhere, it's non-contact, and usually, according to this, uh, calf injuries usually come with some form of contact, being kneed in the calf or something similar to that. Um... And then there's a picture of Kevin Durant in the locker room or in the tunnel with the ice ice pack. The ice pack is not on his calf area. Mm -hmm. It is on his Achilles. Even during the game when I think he did sit on the bench, he had a heating pad on what it looked like. His lower part of his leg would be his Achilles. So if if this comes out that it was an Achilles injury and they hit it as a calf injury and then he tears his Achilles once the first game he's back, somebody's going to be in big, big, big time trouble. Yes, and it might be why Bob Myers is crying on the podium. Oh, crocodile tears. Crying to me is way <laughs> That was a little, but I can't see the tears type of thing. That's what the dog do, and they just fucking shit it all over your shit. They're not really crying, but they want the sympathy. And again, I'm not here to assess nobody's character, but I'm here to analyze what we see and what we're getting. But the thing, this is just so big because it changes everything. It does. It does. Free agency was about to be so exciting. It could be very boring now because he could take his player option and just hit and rest on and get better on their time. Uh, Kawhi could win a championship and just stay with Toronto. And now a highlight of our offseason is Jimmy Butler. Anthony Davis trade. Oh, right. Anthony Davis is the one who becomes the big focal point of all of this because Kyrie could go to Brooklyn with D'Angelo Russell. Kemba might go back to Charlotte because he get the bag. Clay will stay in the Bay. And then it's like, oh, Jimmy Butler is going to get the max from Sixers, so he'll go back there. Everybody just and comes back. Anthony oh. Davis trade, and where's Tobias Harris yes. are going? <laughs> so um, that's just crazy how this one little piece to the puzzle or this one domino changes the entire landscape of the NBA. And I'm very to see. I'm very interested to see what happens mm-hmm. with the Anthony Davis situation because um, they're now trying to trade him, and they're not open to hearing it. And you know. Uh, David Griffin was saying that he wants a combination of assets that can include an all-star player, a young player who has all-star potential, and two first-round picks. And the teams that I've inquired are the Lakers, Knicks, Clippers, and Nets. How many of them actually have that, though? And that's why that's it's a, it, three teams. It's three, three teams. Right. Okay, that makes DeAndre sense. DeAndre Russell is the only team with that all-star. Um, right. And young assets. Who? 
They got like Jared Allen, who's 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Kurutz, who's a role player, mm-hmm. but he's young. He better than Brandon Ingram? No. What? Uh, those young assets. That's what, what we're talking you, about, right? You were talking, about, talking about that. They have an all-star and young assets. The Nets mm-hmm. have that. That's what, Okay, but let's get past that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's get past <laughs> what everybody is asking. He, he said he wants a potential, uh, young, uh, a potential all-star. And let's also make sure that this is clear. The Lakers and Knicks are his desired long-term destinations, which is neither one has an all-star. That's why it's a three-team trade. <laughs> yeah, I know. But what? So what team is throwing in an all-star for this yeah. Anthony Davis trade? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if there is a team. That's why when if that, anything, that's I why that I was so would first. be the one to give you the young asset for a draft. I don't know. I don't, I that, don't know. No, no. This is when, yeah, when that did come out and I seen that they wanted an all star, this was that's what confused me because whoever is going to give up an all star, they need multiple all stars on their team because they going to pair Anthony Davis up with somebody. I, that's why so. I think that the that the Nets is probably that's the only team that fits mm-hmm. this because you do a sign and trade with D'Angelo Russell, right. you still have money to get Kyrie Irving for your all star mm-hmm. to pe- put alongside Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the only thing that makes sense for this specific thing, but. I don't think he's going to get this. I no. think he's going to get young assets and draft picks. I don't yeah. know if that he's going to get all-star. That all-star was a reach. Yeah. It was. It, yeah, definitely. Because, first of all, they have to want D'Angelo Russell also. <laughs> you oh, have I, to want I, D'Angelo Russell. And, you, and D'Angelo Russell's money isn't from the Nets. They're going to match whatever the market gives him. So... And they have to think about that because if a team, if the, if the Hornets lose Kemba Walker and say, okay, we're going to give you all mm-hmm. the most money we can give you, the Nets have to be like, uh, shit, do we want to match? <laughs> and then if they are going to match and trade them, the Pelicans have to say, do we want to be, you On know, that, under we, that contract? Yeah, do we want the Pelicans have been doing yeah, so much. Question? To, uh, I think that's really a question. D'Angelo Russell's a hooper. He, he, and he's only, I, I what is he, hooper, 22, 23? I know he's a hooper, but. I think since he is under his rookie contract, I think his max is like twenty five a year. Then it ups to like thirty million in the last year. So it's not like he's getting like a super max type contract. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was like twenty seven, twenty eight. Let's see what D'Angelo's cap hold is. Oh, I think I got it. In my but regardless, it seems like what holds the Pelicans back so much is they want to get so much in return to stay competitive, which I think is very hard to do in this situation. Yeah, it's literally it gonna, says it's, they had they can pay up. To twenty seven point three for uh for the first year of his multi year deal, so to end up being like thirty three in the last year, probably. I don't think that's a terrible contract. Not for D'Angelo Russell, no. Though. Especially super young. I like. He still got chance to yeah, grow. But I don't know, but it's I don't know. NBA teams be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and NBA teams ain't had D'Angelo Russell, so I don't know how how his how he's looking on the market. That's why I'm interested to see free agency to see how he is. Think about the lineup that they can put together. D'Angelo Russell, Drew Holiday, taking Zion. care of that defense of Zion. I don't know if they're going to have a small force. It's still Darius Miller. I don't fucking know. But if they want that young asset with the with the potential, if they throw, they throw in Jared Allen, that's a decent start lineup, mm-hmm. whoever they slide in that small four. You know? And their bench is still going to be trash because it's, it's the Pelicans. But, okay, but. so let's break it down then. If they were to do a three-team trade, mm-hmm. it would be what? The Nets? What would the Nets get? Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. Oh, I thought the Lakers would yeah. get Anthony Davis. Oh, hell no. The Lakers wouldn't even Yeah, they wouldn't be idea. a part of the deal. Then who would be the third team? If there was a Nets involved. I, that's a, I really don't know. <laughs> the Bulls are the third team. Who they, the Bulls don't have shit. We, we, throw, in our, we throw in our seventh pick. To get what? To get Lonzo in, the, this different situation, oh, in a different okay. situation. <laughs> and if they do a trade, that, that ain't going to happen because they say that Alvin Gentry loves Lonzo. He loves the idea of a backcourt of Lonzo yeah. and Drew Holiday. You know the defense with Lonzo and Drew Holiday. I know it'd be tough. It'd be one of the best in the league. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think nobody. I don't think David Griffin knows, and that's why we don't. He and he's then just another talking. thing is, would the Nets be willing to give up their All Star in D'Angelo Russell for a superstar or Andy Davis who who, who can leave them on the, Yeah, you're going. You that's why like the Bull, when Bulls fans was like, oh. We would come in, it's like you would give up a Lowry for No, I don't think there's a single Bulls fan. Maybe there are Bulls fans. I, I don't want to talk for everybody. But I think most of us wouldn't want Anthony Davis for that reason that he won't resign. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I'm sure there are GMs out there right now that'll take that chance considering it worked out with Paul George. No, I, I get the Paul George shit and I get the you The know, Kawhi, Kawhi potentially. But Kawhi was our Kawhi was going to a team that already was when they in each conference? Yeah, they no, got. They they got, got, they got no, they got. They're in the second round. Semis. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they're already going to. But they. Where were they at in the standings? Were they like? They, they were the ones. Yeah, they, they were the ones. They had sixty wins. They're already a, a sixty win team. Mm-hmm. 
Anthony Davis, if he was going to the that's hyper since we already talking talk about the Bulls, he wouldn't be going to a team that's about the sixty win team. So your chances of coming coming there wouldn't wouldn't make sense. And then Paul George was paired with a guy like Russell Westbrook, who was able to help him can be convinced to stay. Mm-hmm. So I don't. And then the way Anthony Davis' situation is, it's like it kind of just feel like Rich Paul and them is really. <laughs> Really got his situation. Rich Paul got hired, and all of a sudden, Anthony Davis is requesting trades, and you know, it's just it's just crazy. But he also came out and said he wanted to leave ever since they did. They didn't resign Boogie. I'm sorry, I'm looking at this article that says is that what he said? should the Bulls yeah. make a play? I thought for I thought he just said he came out with that trade because they weren't winning. And he had, he yeah. just wanted to get into a winning situation. That's what I was under the belief as well. I think uh-huh. only time will tell what happens with Anthony Davis, and hopefully it happens on like draft night. Well, they said they want they want their assets. They want to be able to use them draft night. Right. So, so we got what nine days before a potential. And Anthony then another report came out trade. saying um, they wanted to do something this weekend so they could try to work yeah. out players. And Let's like make that. it happen, man. We need um, something to talk about because this series may be over by this weekend. And then I just got a report right here that says Knicks are weary to give up much for AD. Some within the Knicks are hesitant to give up significant assets for AD. Referencing to Melo as a trade. That's a smart thing. That's smart. I, honestly, I think that's smart. I think that's smart for the Lakers because the Lakers have the real assets. We had will we be giving up? Y'all was just laughing at Kevin Knox, NBA, NBA fans. So not or, why? Because he was the worst player in the league. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, so now, now people will be saying, "Don't give up Kevin Knox." I, I agree with that report because. We knew that Melo was going to go to the Knicks in free agency, and they, they still but traded they didn't have for another. They didn't have a slot to go sign another All Star. They had already gave that money to Omari Stoudemire with his knees. Right. Oh yeah. So it would have been similar if they signed Kevin Durant. They can get an Omari Stoudemire situation where he's still good, but like he still ain't he ain't great no more. So, don't say that yet. That's case. I, I said a possibility. I feel that way. Possibility. Possibility. You, you don't, don't, don't really hang that over it. our heads. For the Lakers, the Lakers. The late I don't I don't know I don't like that's all they got Brandon Ingram who is six nine like with a blood, with a blood clot that we don't, don't know like anything about he gonna get like, past I don't that. like the trade same wingspan like as Giannis onto the Kumpo can put the ball on the floor can play a point guard role at almost sixteen sound like you want to keep him Look how, yeah, yeah but I'd rather take it sounds like you're giving up a lot right that's how you making that point and you're gonna trade him my point is that you got him y'all gonna trade him Zoe who you just said Zoe, six, I, six, I, I take oh. Zoe over Chris Paul and then you're gonna give up the fourth overall pick and Kuzma to get mm-hmm. Anthony Davis and well I wanna I, I wanna live the dream though I wanna live the dream to have LeBron Anthony Davis and another another all star on our team yeah, that's. I don't know For if that's. Gonna, I don't know if that's gonna happen. For a championship. I don't know if that's gonna happen, Broski. LeBron, Anthony Davis, and another uh, Chris Paul, bro. Don't no, please no. stop again. Nah. They probably gonna, gonna resign Pope again. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he's gonna be a Laker next year. Pope, Pope. Pope. yes. <laughs> they need shooting. That's all I got to say. They resigned him one year. What? They gave they him need one shooting. year deals two years in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if they did bring him back because they need man. His ass can shoot. He, he, he gonna his accuracy is all. He be tripping because I thought he was a real good shooter, and then he be just tweaking. It's his shot selection. If he had better shot selection, he'd probably be. A that's because he used to hoop in Detroit. There's that's plenty, where he got that. From. There's plenty of times I was watching the Lakers. of like, what the hell is Contavious doing right now? Just chucking. He just. He, I don't know. I don't he know. Shot thirty four percent this year from three. Which is, is that a career low or at least close to it? Because I know when he was in Detroit, he was. I don't know. In Detroit, he won't even. Detroit, he was him. a hooper. He was a hooper, but he no, nah, he had solid numbers in Detroit. Scoring wise, like we're talking about three point. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about guy. three point percentage. Last year, he had a great year from three. No, LeBron, he was just chucking. <laughs> Bro, I, I was just he's playing for a contract. I was just looking for looking at he's playing for a contract. James Harden averaged 13 threes a game. Yeah, that was crazy. Bro, there, I be thinking about that too because I be thinking about the great three point shooters like Reggie Miller. You look back, they averaged like three of them a game. 13 shots. Yeah, a that's game. A, let me look at that because I think Reggie Miller. Is considered definitely a top three shooter of all time, but he played in the era where the three point shot wasn't used as often. Guess, mm-hmm. wait, 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 guess, guess. What, what's uh, the I, I, I would say, I think, it was, I think it was three attempts a game. That's three? that's low as hell. No, it was it was some it was some really crazy low PCB? number. It was some crazy three. low. Okay, who who his it nickname says? Did you say he attempted Reg, three a game? The yes. Knicks killer. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's his three. What's your guess, B? I'm gonna say six. I'll say seven. I'm gonna say five point two, in his career high. Wait, I can actually filter. 6.6 attempts when he was 31. Three, Mike? Are you 
I don't know. Maybe it was another shooter, but maybe it was an old other shooter. But I remember it was one great shooter who didn't even average that many threes. My again. three, bro. Man, he shot 43% from three a couple times, bro. <laughs> Holy three shit. Months. I don't know. It was an average, dog. Capono, exactly. Capono shot almost 50% from three. <laughs> Let me look at my boy Jason Capono now that you bring him up. And he was a, he was a role player. 51% from three. He was only averaging three a game or attempted three that a game. That might be the guy you were thinking about. It might be. But Jesus Christ, that is a crazy. That's like all-time level. <clears throat> Think about the threes that, that we take now, though, but too. He, Think not, about how contested he's not a Reggie Miller. He's not taking shots like Reggie Miller. He's not, I wouldn't even consider Jason Capono a role player. Who who is some more like all time shooters Allen. from old? Ray okay, Allen's Ray Allen's a good one. one, but Ray Allen had them years where he was dunking old motherfuckers. So yeah. he, and there was a couple years where his three point rating or his three point attempts probably not that high, but he did have years where he's averaging seven. He had an eight his last years in Seattle, eight point mm-hmm. four attempts a game. We shot forty one percent. That's Cal that's Corver. crazy. Cal Corver is a good one Bird. too. Larry Bird's probably attempted three a game. Yeah, that's he was probably attempted three a game. <laughs> Uh, Larry Bird, three point attempts, three point three yeah. was his career I think, high. No, I think that's what because it had to be like in the eighties type thing. Yeah. yeah, Steve Kerr. But you know he ju- he basically was playing when the three point line was first incorporated, yes. right? Yeah. I think he came in like seventy two. Steve Kerr was uh, he also wasn't a significant on his team. Steve Kerr, his highest three point attempt per game is like three two point nine. Yeah, he also shot fifty one percent. He had a season where he shot fifty two percent from three on two mm-hmm. attempts only, but still, that's an insane. So all he had to do was make one. A he game. had to make one a game. <laughs> he had to make one a game. But there, that's such an odd time because threes went good. Then we got to look about think about the early two thousands. Who was some crazy three point shooters in the early two thousands? Um, James Jones. He uh, won a three point competition, right? And then. He had a year where he averaged 44% from three. He's not fair because he wasn't significant. I'm trying to think of like almost like like basically a starter played like 30, 35 minutes. Oh, that's a good one. Let's look at Pager. Pager Stoyakovich. Nickname unheard of. He has no nickname, which is unfortunate. So he had a year. His highest attempts per game was 6.8, and he shot 43%. That's insane. What about Steve Novak? He also shot 93% for free throw line two years in a row. Well, not in a row, but two years in his career. This is also his all-star year. He was averaging 24 Voyages. points per game. These are, y'all naming two dudes who ain't even start. Vladimir Rodmanovich. Oh, that was that's a good one. He didn't start most of his career, but still. He started with the Sonics, but Ray Allen. Uh, five attempts per game since his career high. With the All right, we're we going too far. Is yeah. that, is I that, mean, that, is it's just, yeah, it's just, I think it's just literally the, the first of all, it's the tempo. And it's just the crazy threes people be taking nowadays. People don't even think about those fadeaway threes that you see James Harden, Steph Curry, all of, those were unheard of. Yeah. You wanna, I'll let you say that since you're a Spurs guy. Man, it's, Man, it was heartbreaking to see Tony Parker retire. Because I thought he was going to retire a spur. I thought for sure he was. They would give him a one-day contract. Or one yeah. Day, yeah. It was just crazy to see that he just retired as a Hornet. Hey, Amen. Is that the end of it? That's the end of the – everybody retired, right? Yeah, from Manu, three, Tim yeah. Duncan, and Patty Mills still there. Everybody Patty except Mills. Greg. Greg is still holding on to Greg it. outlived them guys. NBA wise. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, though. But also, his job don't require him to run. It was sad because Tony Parker was like, I, I can't be Tony Parker anymore. That was like the sad part. Yeah. And it was like, damn. And it seemed like he was still pretty, like, he was okay. He was an okay backup. Yeah, he yeah. was an okay backup to Kemba. This is garbage. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, 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 we get into the excited part of the stretch. It's, it's a Saturday. No, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. So, you know, we're going to have some more finals games. We're nine days away from the draft. Anthony Davis trade stuff can be popping up. We got to see what happened with KD. I'm sure after this podcast, we'll get a notification. It's, it's, right, it's literally when we're done. Um, so, yeah, it's about to start heating up. Uh, peace. Peace. Oh.